Welcome. You're listening to another episode of AML Conversations, where we sit down with some of the brightest minds in the financial industry to explore topical matters around financial crime and compliance. We hope you enjoy this discussion and please be sure to subscribe for more. Hey, Guy, how are you doing today? Good, John. How are you doing? Good. Hey, thanks for spending some time uh, with us. Uh, Guy Fico, who's now Deputy Chief of IRS CI. First of all, I know you've been in the role now for a few weeks. Congratulations, and uh, tell us a little bit about sort of the world that you cover that in your new role. No, thank you, John. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I've been in the, uh, the role for about a month now. Uh, de- uh, former Deputy Chief James Robnett uh, retired, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be uh, selected by um, IRS CI Chief James Lee and Commissioner Reddick for, for this new role to serve as the uh, the principal deputy or the deputy chief under under Chief uh, Jim Lee, and I come to this role. I've been with IRS for um, oh, uh, kind of the family business. My older sister was an IRS um, or is an IRS revenue officer, and oh. and uh, came into it uh, that way. Uh, didn't didn't really. Um, I don't know what I was thinking when I when I signed up, but it was. Uh, it, <laughs> Walking into an interview blind was probably the, one of the greatest um, things that's ever happened to me in, in my life, certainly my professional life. And um, so I've been, in, been with IRSCI since, since 1995 and, and had a variety of positions uh, along the way, uh, starting out in, in New York City and, and spending a lot of time in Washington, D.C. and, and, and Philadelphia and, and um, other positions. But in, in the deputy chief role, I, I have all of operations um, really reporting up to me. So I've got our 20 CI field offices. I have uh, five executive uh, directors here in headquarters um, covering uh, areas from including our, our internal IT department, our, our um, what we call strategy section, which is our human resources right. and embedded finance section our cyber and forensics uh, section, which has um, been paramount in the news with a lot of the overseeing a lot of the crypto uh, investigations, crypto seizures that have taken place and some of the, mm-hmm. you know, really record breaking, um, really earth shattering cases they've done. Um, a data section called applied analytics and innovation, which is, which we anticipate very paramount you know, over the next uh, several years and, and, and decade as we get a, a stronger hold on our, on our data governance and, and, um, and processes like that and really learn to utilize our data in the most effective way uh, possible. And then the, the last section is the section that I most recently was the executive over, which is our global operations section. And that encompasses our international footprint with our uh, 11 international posts and 18 attaches uh, as well. Kind of the bulk or, or the, um, the, the, the cornerstone of our operations oversight operations so this is the national undercover program the asset forfeiture program our narcotics and national security section as well as our financial crimes policy and in overseeing the ci aspect of of fraud and by that i mean that's that's the a lot of the inner work with our civil uh partners uh help being responsive uh in training on what makes a criminal fraud referral from a civil revenue agent or revenue officer uh over to ci so in, the, so in that space, that's kind of my background. And then coming mm-hmm. into the deputy chief role, I'm hopeful that I'm going to be able to impart uh, some of that knowledge and, and, and really um, take some of the steps that Mr. Robnett and, and Chief Lee have, have set in motion to 
airport here in the future? You know, um, I've been fortunate to work with uh, a lot of your colleagues and yourself over over many decades. So I'm very familiar with uh, IRSCI's role in financial crime prevention. But as I have asked uh, when I interviewed Jim and also Don, give us a sense of what people don't realize. You already mentioned cyber and crypto, obviously key things. I, I know that you folks were challenged like everybody else on the PVP loan fraud and, and all those things. But Give us a sense of the scope beyond what you've said, because, you know, I, I think it's fairly clear financial crime is extremely broad topic. It's it's money laundering. It's all sorts of other areas. Um, for, so what do people not either understand or maybe are not as familiar with what IRSCI covers? Again, you've, you've given us a couple of really good examples already, but uh, the international part is something that um, yeah. I'm very interested in, too, because. I knew about that because I, when I would travel overseas, we would deal with I, uh, IRS uh, attachés. So the scope is is pretty amazing. If not the broadest scope of any law enforcement agency at the federal level, it's pretty close, right? That's right, John. And as CI special agents, we conduct um, 100% of our time on financial fraud. And I believe we're the only federal law enforcement agency that does that. So when you think about federal crimes and federal crimes, um, there's a whole lot of ground that that covers. And immediately when you think IRS, you think tax. And yes, that is our bread and butter. And that is where we spend the majority of our time. But any uh, money laundering investigation, any uh, Bank Secrecy Act investigation, frequently terrorism investigations have a financial uh, aspect to it. Most recently in the last um, six months in, in the wake of the um, Russia invading, invading right. uh, Ukraine and the sanctions that were uh, that were enacted. CI has played a leadership role there uh, in, 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 in working with the Bureau and other agencies on the Klepto Capture Task. I think the breadth of, of what we spend our time, devote our time to, investigative time to, is really, it is quite uh, impressive. I'm extremely proud of the work that, that the agents have done. Uh, you mentioned international, and right, yes, right. we've got regional attaches, and we have them in you know key cities around the world, uh, cities such as in 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 the, in the Western Hemisphere, uh, Mexico City and in Bogota and Panama, which are primarily uh, money laundering um, investigations that we that the agents support. But there is some tax over overlap. Certainly, fugitives, um, you know, we, we work with the DOJ counterparts and the marshals for, for extradition. But you start getting to some of the other aspects, some other parts of the world, particularly in Europe and Australia, there are some heavy, heavy tax investigations and some complex fraud that takes place that our agents um, abroad as attaches both assist CI um, um, field office, field agents uh, on their investigation but also work with their foreign counterparts and FIUs to develop intelligence, develop sources and, and whistleblowers to generate additional investigations. And really, really proud of, of the breadth. And, and it's an area that we, we have expanded and placed our first uh, cyber attache uh, last year wow. at, uh, at, the, at Europol, at the JCAT, mm -hmm. at the Europol, in Europol in The Hague. And we are exploring the possibility of, of hopefully putting one or two additional cyber or crypto attaches, uh, placing them within the next uh, 12 to 24 months. So, so um, two questions come to mind. One is when, uh, and we'll talk a little bit later about 
uh, new resources that are going to help not just IRSCI, but throughout the agency. But when you're looking for people to join the uh, IRSCI, what are, what's, what's the skill sets that you folks are looking for? And, and I say that for a couple of reasons. One is I think uh, there are, there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more educational programs around the country and globally that look at financial crime. And some people are, are deciding, you know, this could be a career. Now you've been in this several decades yourself, but when you're looking to hire new folks, what, what are the various skill sets that are important in an IRS CI, either agent or staff that helps support IRS CI? Yeah, it's a, I'm happy you broke that out because I was going to do the same thing between agent 1811 and, and non-1811. So by um, the way the C IRS CI special agent is defined by the position description, which position description, a federal term there as to what, what, uh, what requirements are needed, it's specifically looking for someone who's got that accounting background. Mm -hmm. um, so you need to have um, a bachelor's degree with 15 credits in accounting. I think nine additional business credits uh, associated. Doesn't have to be towards the degree, but it has to be, you have to have those credits and the degree. Could right. be towards, it could be something else. We, the other way to do it is through, uh, is to qualify with experience, which, which can replace the academic uh, requirements. I don't think, which I can candidly say that as CI, we have not necessarily recruited as strongly as we can to that experience level. Because I think there's a lot of very talented professionals uh, who've, who've got some great experience in train and tracing financial fraud transactions. And this could be in the crypto space with blockchains or it could be. in. So but that's kind of the basis for the special agent. It's a 20 year um, career appointment position, minimum 20 years. So there is the age requirement of being under 37 uh, right. to be able to apply. There are a few exceptions, usually driven uh, by military service, which would extend that clock. But that's primarily the age that we're looking for. Um, in terms of non-agents, I think the area which IRSCI, like a fair number of agencies, private and public companies, data scientists is an area that we've really been tapping into. And I mentioned mm -hmm. area, uh, earlier about the ability to get a really good handle on data to, for, for multi-purposes, to develop uh, potential new investigations, to support existing investigations, uh, but also to de to determine uh, efficiencies and whether in what can be improved to uh, both make us more efficient and to support the U.S. taxpayer uh, more efficiently as well to making sure that we're, we're we're putting our resources in the right place. So I think data scientists is, is an area. But beyond that, communications. We have a mm -hmm. robust uh, communication staff and public affairs officers in, in all of our field office and in headquarters. We have other IT professionals that support our network and our infrastructure. Um, we've got a national forensic lab, which sits in Chicago, which you wouldn't not intuitively think that ICI would have a national lab. But this is a lab that does fingerprints and, and does uh, handwriting exemplars and reconstructs shredded documents and uh, and is even um, gotten involved with some DNA searches and DNA requests uh, in collaboration with other uh, law enforcement uh, labs. So real breadth of what type of uh, individual could be a very, very important and, and, and really could have a great career inside IRSCI. If um, folks want to stay um, current with I, cases that are brought by IRSCI, I know that, for example, there's many, many, but folks played a, 
uh, a key role in a crypto seizure, as you mentioned. I think it was like three point six billion dollars or some right. uh, uh, a, a crazy amount of money. But is there, a, besides going to, to the website, is there uh, a regular communication uh, newsletter or email that people could go? Because I think it's so important that they understand the scope of what you folks do. Where can people stay current with all the things that you, uh, the agency's involved in? Well, I think the easiest way is probably through uh, social media, through the okay. IRS, mm-hmm. IRS criminal investigation Twitter account or LinkedIn account. Gotcha. Um, they're both robust and, and post quite a bit. You also have on top of that, you'll have special agent in charges who are posting uh, press releases uh, from their particular area of responsibility. Uh, beyond that, every year we issue an annual report, yep, which is yep. accessible uh, through irs.gov and, and mapping your way to the criminal investigation page. That's great. I actually use that report in a class I teach here at George Mason on money laundering and terrorism because I said it's a great resource of all the cases. And so that that's a great example. Let me uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about what we've uh, we, the AML community and you folks specifically, have been dealing with uh, recently. And that is, um, as we know, uh, Congress and the president signed into law the Inflation Reduction Act a week or two ago. And, um, you know, part of the, me- I won't say the media writ large, but part of the storylines by some in public office is that this is going to result in, um, you know, a large number of IRS agents that are going to be auditing uh, and doing all sorts of sort of negative things. I don't consider auditing to be negative, by the way, but that they would be, uh, weaponize the agency, all that sort of thing. We don't have to talk specifically about who who said what, but but obviously that uh, causes a, a concern, both safety concerns for the eighty thousand plus employees that you do have, and also just perception wise, what people think of that agency. And I've seen a lot of coverage uh, of folks that have pushed back. And uh, I saw a letter from the American College of Tax Council, which they sent just last week to um, the heads of both parties in the House and Senate. And these are lawyers that work uh, with with the IRS, but also sometimes defend, you know, clients. And yeah. they make a number of uh, statements in there that they say that, I'm quoting from the letter, the false misleading or vitriolic comments that portray the IRS as an armed militia risk reaction. So obviously there's a lot here to unpack, but factually, what should folks expect from the additional resources, which I know the IRS has struggled to get over probably the past decade? I, I know from talking to yourself and and others in IRSCI that you've been trying to hire, as you just said, trying to get qualified people in there. You're finally going to get some resources to do that. But a lot of other parts of the IRS that deal with customer service, processing yeah. refunds, all the things that Americans expect. So I know I'm throwing a lot out there, but just in general, how's everybody doing at the IRS? And what what do you want to say uh, to our community? Yeah, John, I appreciate you asking that question, bringing that up. So when I started in 1995, um, there were approximately 115 to 120,000 IRS employees. Um, there were 3,500 special agents. Um, as of me talking to you right now, there are approximately... 80,000 IRS employees and about 2,100 special agents. So we've, we're about 60% uh, 
of our levels that we were when I started some 27 years ago. I believe the population has grown um, significantly in that time and the complexities of of um, the matters that we're involved with. I mean, international was was uh, a thing, but not a, not something that we were not certainly not to the extent it was. This was pre well pre widespread use of the Internet. Right. Um, there was no virtual currencies. You know, were certainly nothing. Cryptocurrencies were certainly certainly not. Um, imagined in, in, in 1995 and every other, um, you know, it, it, advance in, in technology that that has occurred. I did not have a laptop for my first uh, probably two and a half years uh, right. in employment, you know, handwriting and, you know, the old typewriter at the secretary's desk. Um, so right off the top, the the amount of the funding that that is coming to the IRS earmarked for the for this nine to 10 year period will allow hiring to get us back to levels. I don't necessarily know that we're going to reach those 1995 levels. The, 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 I've seen 87,000 employees um, throw that figure thrown out there. Um, and and I, I'll take it at face value. I don't know exactly where the number came from, but that's 87,000 em, uh, employees that doesn't account for attrition over this length of period of time. And I've right. seen statistics where as many as 50,000 employees are not just eligible, but anticipated to, to leave service, leave the service within the next five years. So if you can do the math there, we're really talking, yes, it is, it is more resources. It is more uh, employees to the service, but it is not anywhere near this doubling of the service size that, that has been uh, reported in, in some circles. To the armed agent uh, or the army, 87,000 army uh, element. Uh, right. Again, I, so there's one criminal uh, one series of 1811 criminal investigators in the Internal Revenue Service, and that, uh, that is criminal investigation, is which I am the deputy chief of. We have 2,100 special agents, and they are armed because they conduct full police uh, power investigations, conduct undercover operations, um, you know, conduct arrest warrants and search warrants, and they are armed the same as FBI and DEA and ATF and other uh, federal agencies under the same uh, jurisdiction. With this uh, funding that is set for the next 10 years, we are hopeful that we can go from 2,100 agents to maybe we can plus up by approximately 100 agents per year. So mm-hmm. in, in a five to six or seven year mark, that gets us back to that 2,800 to 3,000 um, 3, mark of agents, which would still be below now, be significantly more than we are now. And with those additional resources, that would allow us um, to to utilize our skills in in more. Um, we our our resources have been so restricted the last several years that we've had to be very restrictive and very selective as to what investigations to you to 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 assign personnel to. With some additional resources, that's going to allow us to be a little bit more. We're still going to be. Uh, selective, but a little bit more open to some other opportunities. And that could allow us to get involved um, with more um, crypto investigations, more narcotics investigations, as well as um, tax. And, and just to put a fine bow on, on the tax investigations, in a world of, of voluntary compliance that we have in the United States, the only real deterrence uh, that is made public is an adjudicated tax conviction. So Again, it's not it, there. It takes a whole lot and a whole lot of levels of review um, and including the Department of Justice, both tax division and the uh, usually the United States Attorney's Office where you're bringing a potential charge um, to review and approve. But 
some all taxpayers um, are, are you know should be paying their fair share and right. sometimes um, a, a, a press release of someone who's committed an egregious act will help drive that voluntary compliance aspect of, of yeah, it's interesting, Guy. I've been doing um, AML issues for many decades, and one of the first interactions I had was in the '80s. We understood the IRS was aggressive in aggressive in, a, in, a, in, a, in an investigative way, in a positive way, with Operation Greenback. It was one of the first major, major efforts done. And in fact, um, when I was at uh, uh, ACAMS, we we gave it a, a career award to. Uh, gentleman who unfortunately has passed, Mike McDonald. And Mike mm. was one of the first agents we ever dealt with. And one of the things that he wanted to do, and he did do, because I did a lot of it with him, was train the private sector. So Mike, uh, uh, and as a, as a lawyer, I was there to help him, but he would talk about investigations. I would talk about the law. We would talk to compliance officers. So it leads me to the last uh, point. I'll get you out of here on this. And the importance of private-public partnerships. So you know, it, partnership would take on a lot of way, a lot of different um, methods, right? It's, you know, training together, great investigations together. You know, uh, making sure you know to reach out to an IRS CI agent if you're working a case, even if you file the SAR, that sort of thing. How important is it from your where you sit today uh, for there to be a robust private-public partnership with the broader AML community that I know you folks interact with? on a regular basis. Yeah, I think it's paramount to, to the success. And, and really over the last, certainly over my career, but even over the last 10 years, these developing and strengthening of these public-private partnerships has been probably the greatest, um, the greatest advance that I've seen. And the ability you hit on the training and the knowledge sharing back and forth, um, the ability to you deal with a financial institution, an individual has an account in financial institution, A, they may have accounts at B, C, and D. The financial institutions only see one aspect of right. that transaction. As a law enforcement agent, that ability to see the whole transaction, the whole scope, that end-to-end, -end, and then to be able to communicate, even if you're not communicating on specific individuals, the ability to communicate and talk about what what each each side of this and there's multifacets when we talk about private industry, um, but to be able to share that to see what everyone is seeing just makes everyone so much better. And I, I really during we we have countless number of positive examples, but really having uh, seen uh, how everyone responded to COVID and right. the CARES Act and the the robust um, uh, relationships and that that were utilized and leveraged to really. Um, conduct some great investigations and really um, safeguard a lot of U.S. Uh, taxpayer money in an expeditious way. Uh, it, it was was phenomenal. I see us continuing in this area. I could see us even uh, an area that I'd love to add to this is, is academia. I'd love to see if we could leverage some more uh, some more um, use by some of the universities, maybe doing some studies to help us uh, in a wide variety of ways um, to to even let us. Uh, learn more and share that information because it's really it is very very important and every initiative come up and whether that's uh it be hsi or fbi or irs and you're talking about centers being built the it 
approach is public-private partnerships and ensuring that we're putting the right people in touch with each other, sitting in the same building when possible to really advance the cause. Guy Fico, a Deputy Chief, IRS, CI, uh, both congratulations on your new role. Thank you so much for sharing your insight today and, and know that the men and women in the AML community in the private sector share, share your mission and we will continue uh, to, to support everything that you folks do. And uh, I can't express enough uh, the importance of uh, working together. And we're so happy that you folks are, are leading in that space. So Guy, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Thanks for listening to another episode of AML Conversations brought to you by AML RightSource. To make sure you're staying up to date with what's going on in the industry, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to get the latest episode.